One more quick announcement for those of you who were with us last Sunday night and uh, got to see Serge uh, share with us. He's going to be uh, opening up a Calvary Chapel in, in Haiti, Port-au-Prince. We were very, very blessed by him. Uh, if you weren't here, I uh, encourage you to hear his word. It's on the website right now. And, I, and the church will be supporting him, but I want also to encourage uh, any of you who would like to support him uh, that uh, if you're interested in doing so, please pa uh, contact Pastor Scott. He'll let you know uh, what you need to do for that. Please rise for the reading of God's Word. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Do we have any Bibles? Any Bibles left? No, I guess you should share a Bible. Uh, no Bibles left. Uh, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter... 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit is who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal as to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now uh, you were not uh, able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are, not, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that, Lord God, it, um, we can just open up uh, your word and uh, find out who you are, uh, what you're speaking to us, uh, what your heart is for us, uh, even uh, your will, Lord God, for our life, Lord. We just thank you for that. And, and Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for everyone here, Lord, uh, that by your grace, uh, all of us would be able to just uh, let go of any distraction uh, that uh, has clung to us, Lord God, uh, maybe the last week or, or, or last month, maybe just something that came up th uh, today, Lord God, that we would uh, see you and know you and experience you uh, in a new, powerful way this morning, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So last week we were in uh, uh, chapter 2, and uh, sometimes I have a difficult time 
getting off a particular chapter, so we're just going to uh, stay uh, in these verses for a while. Uh, we read last week uh, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no uh, m- uh, heart has experienced uh, what the Lord uh, has prepared for them, but that God has revealed it to us uh, by His Spirit. And it says in that uh, not only uh, has he revealed things that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no heart has, has experienced, but that he's given these things freely. Verse 12 says, of chapter 2 says, Now we have received uh, no, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Freely given. You know, many of us have this idea stuck in our head uh, that God has this carefully guarded, locked box which He rarely opens. And inside that box, uh, there are blessings, there's gifts, there's experiences with him. There's revelation. And he's hoarding all these things for himself. And if we can just be good enough, long enough, he just might open up that box and give us something. Reluctantly. But maybe he will. Sometimes he does a blessing or two, maybe a revelation, a piece of knowledge. And, you know, we have, we have this view of God sort of like he's like one of these or one of those rich kids we grew up with who had everything but would rarely give up anything. I remember when I was just six years old, In, um, in Dover, Massachusetts, Chickering Elementary School. I remember I would uh, go to the cafeteria at lunch and I'd open up my lunchbox and I'd have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And my mom would like stick a little bag of sliced carrots in there, you know, carrot sticks, maybe an apple. I used to sit next to this guy, you know, and uh, he, uh, I mean, when he pulled stuff out of his lunchbox, it was like someone, uh, watching someone pull jewels out of a treasure chest or something, you know, and, and when you're in first grade, this is, this is really hard stuff, right, and, and he used to have um, these little hunt snack pack pudding things, you know, any of you remember those, they had little horses on them, uh, you know, jello pudding has taken over, these are before the days of Bill Cosby, you know, and, and these little hunt snack pack jello puddings with these little horses on them. And oh, first grader, six years old. Look at that horse, and he's just eating this pudding. And you know, I'm sitting here on my chewing on my carrot sticks, and and I'm thinking to myself, I never got a hunt snack pack pudding. You know, I never had that. And and you know, maybe once in a while I get a Chips Ahoy chocolate chip cookie or something like that. And uh, but you know, um, so I would plead with this guy. I really would. I don't know why he would continue sitting next to me. I, I would just <laughs> plead with him. 
and, and I go, come on, just once, let me have your hunt snack pack pudding with the little horsey on it. Come on, just one time. And, and, and I would just go on and on, and, you know, I'll, t- I'll trade you my sliced carrots, you know. What? Uh, you know, you got to be kidding me, those soggy things. No, they weren't soggy, but uh, uh, they weren't. And I, I was grateful for them. But once in a blue moon, um, I, was, I, I would get, you know, at least some of this Hunt snack pack pudding with a little horse on it. But let me tell you, for every yes, there were a thousand no's. Uh, really. Uh, and, and, you know, it doesn't stop. I remember, you know, getting older in eighth grade, there was this guy. His name was Bob Judiciani. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, um, Bob Judiciani used to ride around uh, our neighborhood on a moped. A moped! You know, in eighth grade, I tell you, when you see a moped, and I used to flag this guy down, please, please let me ride your moped, you know. And, and, you know, Bob Judiciani, he'd go, you know, hollering off. Nothing against him. I'd be doing the same thing. But, you know, maybe once, uh, you know, every five months, you know, I'd get on Bob Judiciani's moped and ride around uh, the block. And, and all of you know, by the time, you know, you're... Uh, you're in the later years of high school. Things just get ridiculous. I mean, 16 years old. A couple of your friends are driving around in Trans Ams? Uh, I mean, you've got to be kidding me. You guys don't even know what Trans Ams are. You're too young. But, I mean, that was like the coolest car, you know. And, and I remember pleading with this one guy. He let me, like, sit in the front seat while it was parked. I mean, uh, that's about as much as I got. Uh, uh, but anyway, where am I going with all this? Well, um, unredeemed, unborn again, unsaved man who, who makes God in his own image. So remember, man, man, unredeemed man, makes God in his, God's in his own image. Uh, he gets this crazy idea that God is the same way. And uh, we carry this right into, or we become born again, we give our life to Christ, uh, and, and we ask Jesus Christ in our life, uh, uh, we're born again, we're a new creature, but we carry these kind of ideas right into our Christian life. Uh, God's got all the gifts, he's got all the blessings, he's got the revelation experience of himself, but he's got them all hoarded up in this carefully guarded locked box, and, and maybe once every jubilee or something, you know, we'll hand, uh, hand them out once every seven years, or, uh, but only after you twist his arm long enough. Well, you know, the reason we read the Word of God chapter by chapter, verse by verse at Calvary Chapel is so that uh, we can get to know God for who He really is and get rid of those man-made ideas of, of who God is. Listen, there's nothing God wants to do more than to bless you, than to... Uh, give you his good and perfect gifts uh, than to reveal to you who he is and to allow you to experience him in a powerful, powerful, intimate way. He paid an incredible price. An incredible price. His son crucified on, a, on the cross. So that... He could do just that, bless you, reveal himself to you, give you every good and perfect gift. Uh, Can you imagine paying a a fortune to send your kid to college 
and, and only to have your kid just blow off all her classes, uh, uh, chunk all her books, and, and throw them into a trash can and ignore everything. Well, that's not uh, what you want. Uh, you want uh, her to or him to, to devour everything that that university offers. You're paying for it. You want them to take advantage of it. And, and, and so the Lord paid an infinitely greater price. There, there's nothing more than the Lord wants than you to devour everything that he has made available to you through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son. Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also give us all things. Ephesians 4.8, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts uh, to men. I believe that's talking about spiritual gifts, but it's not limited to that. Matthew 7.9, uh, Jesus himself speaking, what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, will give him a stone. If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him. But most importantly, as we've seen, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, uh, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has experienced that which God has prepared for those who love him. And he has revealed them to us through his spirit. And so... God's not hoarding all his gifts in a closely guarded lockbox. He is so gracious. His heart is uh, ever wanting to bless us. And it says in verse 12, he's given us his spirit that we may know the things which he has freely given to us. We don't have to twist his arm. So, but here's the deal. Here's where Paul is going with all of this. Listen, a Christian can choose to set aside uh, all of that all of that, all of that revelation, all those good and perfect gifts, all, the, all those experience with the Lord, uh, you can choose to, 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 you can choose to set it, set it aside and live the same kind of miserable life that any person, any human being that has rejected God and is living in disobedience uh, to God uh, uh, lives. Uh, and, and, and so uh, that's what we learn here in verse 14. It says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, uh, for they are foolishness to him, uh, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And then verse 1 of chapter 3, And I, brethren, uh, could not uh, speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Verse 3, For you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Uh, so here is a group of people who have put their faith in Christ. The Bible says that at this point they are a new creature in Christ. Uh, and uh, they have at their uh, available to them what no eye has seen, no ear has heard. Uh, Paul is saying no heart has experienced what's available to them. And Paul says here that they have missed out. They're oblivious. They're clueless. And, and, you know, you've probably heard many, many, many stories about those people living in Oklahoma and Texas in the 20s and 30s, you know, in the middle of the Depression. They, you know, just scraping out, barely surviving. And uh, they're living in houses over oil reserves worth tens of millions of dollars. But they're clueless. They're oblivious to it. 
and then they're so they're in the middle of the depression, not knowing what they had access to. And many Christians live the same way. That's what um, uh, Paul is talking about. Why we just read it. Why are they living this way? You know, why are they clueless? Paul says it. It says because they are carnal. Verse three. Paul says you are carnal. You are carnal. He doesn't mince words. You are carnal, he says. So, what does that mean anyway? What does it mean? Well, the Greek word in the original text is translated a number of different ways. Some translations say fleshly. Some of your translations may say worldly. Uh, What does it mean? Carnal. Well, we need to learn what it means so that we don't become that. If we, or if we are, we need to uh, turn things around. I, I heard a teaching a number of years ago of what, it, what, of what happened when, what really happened in, in sort of the inner man of Adam when he rebelled in the garden. What really, really happened. And, and I think the teaching was helpful to understand what the word carnal means. When, when Adam, when man was first created, he was supremely a spiritual being. He, uh, by that I mean his spirit, created perfect and undefiled by God, dominated everything else about him. It can be helpful imagining him in this way, uh, the way he was originally created by God, uh, in terms of a higher order and a lower order, or maybe in terms of an upper half and, and a lower half. The higher order, the upper half, his spirit, perfect, made perfect by God. Uh, the lower order, his lower half was his emotions, his lower half, his, his intellect, his lower half, his, his desires. And uh, when he was first created, he, was, he had this perfect relationship with God, and, and he was sinless. And so the upper half, his spirit, completely dominated the lower half or the lower order. In other words, his emotions, his desires, his intellects, that the lower order were directed perfectly by his spirit. Uh, his spirit, which uh, prior to the, again, b- fall, uh, pure and undefiled. He was perfect. So Adam was without sin. His emotions, his intellect, and his desire were completely under the control of his spirit. Actually, Jesus led an entire life like that. It's not just a glorious thing. But, but, but um, Adam was created like that. Now, when he rebelled against God, when he decided to remove God from the throne of his life, everything was turned upside down. Everything was turned on its head. So the order of things uh, that God had created was turned upside down. Suddenly his emotions, his desires, his intellect, his lower order was on top dominating the higher order, his spirit, which was now on the bottom. And and suddenly his emotions, his uh, his desires, his intellect uh, was dominating the spirit. And and Adam's spirit, which once controlled everything he did, everything he thought, uh, it controlled the whole worship. Uh, he had with God, his whole relationship with God, his, his, his prayer life. Suddenly, it was at the mercy of his emotions. He, it was at the mercy of his intellect. Huh, is this really what I should be doing? You know, it, it, you know it, it was at the mercy of his desires. And uh, what happened? His spirit had been rendered powerless. Paul actually says in Ephesians, uh, it was, he was dead, his spirit was dead, meaning not that he didn't have a spirit. Oh, he does a spi- have a spirit. He has a spirit that will live for eternity. 
There's the question of where that spirit will be in eternity. But the spirit has been rendered powerless. That's why uh, Paul uh, refers to it as, as dead. Uh, but and so it was as good as dead. And so, you know, that's why you read in the first few chapters of Genesis, uh, you see this rapid moral decline of the human race. Uh, when man rebelled and turned God's created or- order on its head, uh, you might have thought that, well, maybe gradually, uh, you know, it, things would become evil. Kind of like one of those clock things, those minute clock things, you know, gradually over a period of a thousand years or something. No, it came, uh, evil became, man became incredibly evil, incredibly fast. Within one generation, he was killing each other. Within a few, uh, Genesis 6, 5 says this, every thought of his heart was only evil all the time. Uh, I always think that's one of the most astonishing verses in the whole Bible. Uh, Every thought of his heart was only evil all the time. Within a few uh, generations of the God's created order being turned up on its, uh, uh, on its head by man's rebellion. Now, stay with me here. Without the intervention of God, man would have been totally consumed. He would have been snuffed right out if it wasn't for the intervention of God. But God had a plan, a plan to redeem the world. God loved man. He loved woman. <laughs> when he made man, he, he was pleased. It was a good thing. And, and the Bible says he had a plan that in the mind, his mind, even before the uh, foundation of the world, Jesus Christ had been slain in order to win men and women back to himself. So back to the question, what does carnal mean? The carnal man is as Adam before the fall. Uh, a carnal man is a man or, or, or a woman who is, has God's created order turned on its head. His emotions, his desires, his intellect dominate his spirit. Uh, his emotions, his desires, his intellect are the rudder of his life, the guide of his life, the ship captain of his life is the, are his emotions, his intellect. There's little or no trace in a carnal man's life of the spirit. And, and, and so the Greek word for carnal, sarkakos, actually means the lower order, the base nature of man. That's what a carnal man is, someone dominated by the, the lower order. So listen, here, here we are at the beginning of uh, 1 Corinthians 3, uh, and Paul is saying something which really uh, should be very frightening. And, and, and it's even a dangerous thing. And it, 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 it's very, very real. And, and this, is, this is what it is. Uh, now, if you're a Christian, uh, follow with me for a few minutes here. If you're a Christian, the Bible says that the moment you became one, the moment you put your faith in Christ, you became a new creation. God disabled the old created order, um, the old man, uh, and he brought in a new one. And he, God turned what was upside down in your life, and he put it right side up. A new creature. That's what a new creature in Christ is. And, and your spirit life became your upper half, and you were given the supernatural ability to have it control your lower half, uh, the lower order, your emotions, your desires, your intellect. You were empowered to have an emotional life and a mental life and an intellectual life that is sanctified controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's exciting. 
So, so what is a spiritual man? What is a spiritual woman? A spiritual man or woman is a, a, a person who, by the grace that God has freely given him or her, uh, they, they keep things right side up. By God's grace and with the, the power of the Holy Spirit uh, uh, who lives I- in him or her, their spiritual life controls their emotions. Their spiritual life controls their intellectual life, their, their desires, their mind. And as they are faithful to that life, they experience what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has experienced, not by twisting God's arm. It just comes. It just comes. But here's what's really frightening, very dangerous, very real. Even as a Christian, you have the choice to take what has been put right side up and turn it upside down. You can take what is right side up and turn it upside down. Again, what does it say in um, verse 14 of chapter 2? But the natural man does not receive the things uh, of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness uh, to him, um, and he can, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But again, verse 1, chapter 3, But I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ, verse 3, for you are carnal. Now, how he's talking to Christians Christians who have turned the created order or, or turned the new creature of the created order on its head. And now they're carnal. They're being dominated by their lower order, their emotions, their, their, their intellect, their, their desires. Well, how does that happen? How do you do that? How does a person do that? How do they get to the place where they're a new creature and God's turned everything right side up again? But then over a period of... of of months, usually more, it's not months, it it takes a period of years that everything's turned upside down again. How does that happen? Well, it's very simple. Even as a new creature in Christ, you have a choice. And when God saves you, he doesn't do away with your freedom of choice. You have a choice. And the choice is this. Do you feed the new man, the higher order, the upper half, or do you feed the old man, the lower order? Do you feed uh, yourself with with what the new man wants, uh, the word of God, worship, prayer, fellowship with other believers? Uh, Do you feed uh, the new man with what it wants, or do you feed yourself with what the old man wants, what the emotions, the desires, and the intellect wants? Listen, when you stop feeding yourself, with what the new man wants, the new woman wants, the Word of God, worship, prayer, fellowship with God's people, and you spend your time feeding uh, yourself on what your emotions, your desires, and your intellect wants, you become a carnal man. You become a carnal woman. You have turned upside down what God paid an incredibly high price to turn right side up. So Paul says in verse 1, I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Now let me be honest with you. There's nothing so tragic to me. There's nothing more pathetic looking 
and smelling than a carnal Christian. There is a particular stench. I mean, don't be grotied out or whatever they say nowadays. (laughs) Don't be grossed out. But there's a particular stench that comes from a carnal Christian, which I find just particularly repulsive. I mean, I, I, I honestly, I'd rather be hanging out with pagans living like absolute dogs than with a carnal Christian, you know, eating after, you know, eating up their own, what does the Bible say? Vomit? There's just, there's just something particularly repulsive about that, and, and, and more rep, it's more repulsive uh, uh, than the world. You know, have you ever seen a grown or a man or woman act like a five-year-old? Have you ever seen a grown man or woman act like a two-year-old? Have you ever seen a grown or man or woman act like a baby? Well, you know, babies who act like babies are very cute. Uh, I, you know, even th- they can burp up stuff and they can mess up whatever and they can slobber and even scream. They're still cute. But adults that do those things are not. You know, I have, um, as most of you know, I have five kids and, of course, they were all as the cutest thing in the entire world when they were uh, uh, babies. And actually, they, they steer, uh, still are, but, uh, 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 but they, were, they, they were the cutest things on the face of the earth. You know, Sam was our first one. He was this fat, curly-headed little boy, and, and you know, and uh, I'd show him off wherever I went, and uh, our life really didn't change too much with our first child. We'd just go out at midnight or whatever because he was just such a good baby, and and, you know, but, he, but the thing is, is, you know, I'd be carrying on my shoulder or, you know, he'd stick a bottle in his mouth, change his diaper. He, whether he'd do, do all those things, whatever it took, you know, he was still the, the cutest thing on the face of the earth. No matter how bad he had messed up or how bad he was wah-wahing or whatever. I mean, he was, he was my fat, little, cute, curly-haired boy. And, you know, he's my first strength and, and stuff like this. But, you know, let me tell you what wouldn't be cute. What wouldn't be cute is if I came in here this morning carrying him on my shoulder, all five foot ten. That would not be cute. What would not be cute if I slung uh, Sam over my shoulders and he's sucking on a baby bottle? And he was uh, saying, hey, Dad, uh, time to change my diapers. No, this would not be cute uh, at all. Oh, man, that would not be cute. But anyway, uh, does everyone know where I'm going with this? When a new Christian first comes to Christ, it's such a delight to be around. The excitement, the new life, they're, they are brand new it's in, in, in every uh, way, you know, they're, they're sucking on a, in a very real way, that they are sucking on a milk bottle, and, 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 you know, they'll mess up pretty bad now, and then you change their diapers. Who cares? It's no big deal. That's what is expected of a baby Christian. They're a delight to be around. The delight of being around them makes up for everything else. The new life in Christ. But when a man or woman has been a Christian for 5, 10, 20 years and they're still sucking on a bottle, 
and you still need to shove a pacifier in their mom. And they're still messing up their diapers. Let me tell you, there's a stench. Envy, jealousy, strife, division, selfish ambition, pride. You know, those things stink whenever you find them, whenever you find them, wherever you find them. But let me tell you, when it's in a Christian, in a church, 5, 10, 20 years old in the Lord, it's positively unbearable. And so that is what uh, Paul found in Corinth, verse 3, for you are still carnal. I would say they're about 10 years in the Lord now. For where there are envy, strife, and division among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? And then he goes on to say, For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? You know, I've, I've met two kinds of carnal Christians. Uh, one kind of carnal Christian, they're just out there. You know, they show up to church, but they're not particularly active in church. They're just out in the world doing the same thing as the world. And that's how their carnality is lived out. I mean, the world's out there trying to get rich on the stock market. That's what they're doing. If the world's out there making a beeline to the newest movie, the newest fashion, the, new, the, you know, the hardest car or whatever, that's, that's where they're going for it. You know, if the world's at, you know, doing the nightclub thing or, 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 or whatever, uh, they're, they're right there, you know, with them. That's, uh, th- that's one kind of carnal Christian that I have, have seen. But there's another kind, and uh, it's the kind, really, that Paul is talking about here. And, and that, this Christian, you know, at first blush, they, they behave sort of like a Christian. They do the same kind of things, and they go to church. And actually, in church, they have, there seems on the outside to be an enormous amount of energy there. A great amount of energy and zeal. However, their lower order, their emotions, their desires, their intellect is completely dominating their spiritual life. So much so that you barely see anything into the spirit. If, if they want to argue about everything, they want to criticize everything, uh, nothing is quite right in the church. Nothing is quite right with the people. Uh, the, 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 certainly nothing is quite right about the, the pastor uh, or his wife or his kids. Uh, the, the, you know, this kind of doctrine is not quite right. This ministry is not quite right. Uh, this person's not spiritual. That person, look what they do. This person, uh, that's what they believe. And this person doesn't serve enough. Uh, and the church isn't doing enough. Or if it's doing enough, uh, they're not doing the right things. Or if they're, even if they're doing the right things, you know, uh, the, the people, they look like they're having too much, uh, too much fun. So there's got to be something wrong there. I mean, you know, and, and, and they're sort of dissecting everything uh, uh, apart. The worship's not right. The setup's not right. Whatever. Lighting. Everything. It's, nothing is quite right. And, and, and there's no joy in their life. There's no joy. They're tremendously active. Unbelievably opinionated. I, I once uh, heard 
a, a, wise, a wise woman say of, of, of a particular carnal Christian, she's got too many opinions. <laughs> That's just so true of a carnal Christian. Uh, and, and of course, all the opinions are clashing and creating division. And so Paul had gone into this uh, church and uh, one of the, uh, you know, people were in these divisions. One said, I am a Paul, meaning uh, there was a particular approach to ministry uh, that Paul had. Paul was, uh, he was a planner. He was someone who laid a foundation. Uh, and they said, you know, that, that should be, uh, you know, I'm a follower of him and what he believed. Another said, I am of Apollos. Now, Apollos was a, a guy who came uh, after Paul, and he was more of a person who watered. He, he did the teaching, and, and he uh, did some of the uh, equipping. According to verse 22, other people were saying, uh, well, I'm a Peter, or Cephas, which is Peter's name, and, and, and you know, I, I'm into sort of the way, manner of teaching that, that he does. And, and, you know, whenever Christians are sort of distinguishing themselves, you know, in any way from others in the church and in the body of Christ. That is a red flag. They're carnal. Carnal. And, and you know, what is a particular problem with these people is that a lot of what they're talking about, you know, may have to do with something in the Bible or something. So they're always saying, well, this is about truth. This isn't divisiveness. This is about truth. No, it's not. You're carnal. It's your pride. It's your ego. That's what this is about. And, and you know, I, I've not, of course, that there are not certain issues which are not so important uh, to, 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 to make a stand on. But you know something? I'll be honest with you. Spiritual Christians that I have seen, spirit-led Christians, if there's an issue that that's important, they'll go to the pa- pastor, they'll present it. If the pastor doesn't accept it, they'll quietly leave. That's the spirit spiritual thing to do. And, and, and the other thing that I've noticed uh, about a carnal Christian, they hate the Sermon on the Mount. They'd never admit it, but they hate it. Blessed are the peacemakers. <laughs> Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. You, you, they, they sort of shove and weasel out of those verses like you wouldn't believe. You know, you quote one of those verses, it's like, ooh, 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 you know, weasel my way out. Hey, I never know the microphone did that. Well, uh, anyway, um, uh, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully use you. Oh, man, do they start talking a big gab, gabbing away when you start quoting those. They can't stand the Sermon on the Mount. That's the thermometer for a carnal Christian. And so uh, that is what Paul finds here. And uh, the wonderful thing about Paul, he never just lays the law on people who are lawbreakers. That's what these people are. They'd been freed from the law, and they'd put themselves right back under it, and they're breaking it left and right, right, the the law of liberty, the law that Jesus had had brought in, which is, you know, love each other uh, like I have loved you. And and he never just lays sort of the law on them. He encourages them out of it. And he has, a, I was talking about this last week, uh, he, he's letting them know just what they're missing out on. And so in, in verse um, 
in verse 22. He says, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or whether world or life or death or, or things present or things to come, all are yours. And so he takes it right back. Yeah, he sort of rebukes them right between the eyes, but he takes it right back. And he says, all are yours. You know, why are you bickering and, and scrambling for, for position in the church or for things you don't have or, you know, someone's getting more attention uh, than you? Why are you doing that? All are yours, meaning no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has experienced what, what God has given you. All are yours. And, and the wonderful thing about the Lord is, is just the grace it's grace. You know, if you're, if you're sitting in this room this morning and, 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 and you may, and the Holy Spirit's really working on your heart and you're thinking to yourself, you know, the first description that, that Steve gave of a, of a carnal Christian, you know, they're out there doing what the world is doing. You know, come to think of it, I, don't, I think I'm doing that. You know, when I, when I look at my life and I put it up next to the world, I don't know that there's much difference at all. Or maybe you're here thinking uh, 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 that, you know, I, I do have that sort of lack of joy in my life. There's no joy in my life. But I do spend a lot of time looking at other people and judging them and criticizing them. Well, the wonderful, wonderful thing is that God, there, there's grace. There's grace. Paul doesn't come in here and say, okay, everyone disperse. Church, disperse. You're all carnal. No, he says, all are yours. Look to the Lord. Look to God. Do you know what a, a spiritual person does? You know how unity is established in the church? It's so simple. You just love Jesus, and you go out and tell people about Jesus. <laughs> That's it. You love Jesus, you love the Lord, and you go out and you tell others about him. And that will establish unity in a church body. People will be loving each other. There'll be this incredible thing that everyone has in common, loving Jesus and going out and telling others about Jesus. Recognizing that all are yours. Romans 8 again, what does it say? God, if he was willing to give his only son, isn't he isn't he much more so willing to give you all things? Jesus ascended on high, taking captivity captive and, and leaving gifts behind in his wake. Jesus said, if you being evil give your, heart, uh, give your kids good things, how much more will your heavenly Father give you all good things? And so that place of grace where we just buy a a prayer of, of repentance and faith can be right back there and, and turning uh, what we've turned upside down right, right side up again. That's grace. That's the message of grace. We don't disperse. We, we unite with everything that God has given us. So what a message of grace. We will, um, we will continue in 1 Corinthians 3 next week. Please stand, everybody, and worship team, come, uh, if you can come up. Angelina, if you could come up. Angelina and Greg will be uh, up here for prayer after. But uh, I'd like to close in prayer now, and then we can uh, close and just worship God. We have all things. He's given us all things. Paul says, don't you have all things? Yes, we do. And let's pray. Father, we just thank you for that. We just thank you, Lord God, even as your word says.
all are ours. Every good and perfect gift, Lord God, that you have uh, stored up for us, Lord, even as we wait upon you, uh, Lord God, for in your good time, to receive them in their time. But even now, Lord God, we, we, have, we have things available, Lord God, at, at our fingertips in the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. What no eye has seen, no ear has heard, Lord, no heart has experienced, we praise you for that, Lord. It's, it's by grace you've freely given it to us, Lord. We don't deserve it. We thank you for it, Lord. And God, I just pray for everyone here in this service, Lord, in, in this room. God, I just pray uh, first for the people, Lord, anyone in this room, God, who has never opened up their heart and given their life to your son, Jesus. They've never put their faith in Jesus. That if they were to die today, they would be eternally lost, having to be judged for their works rather than taking the work that Jesus that you did on the cross and I just pray for them Lord I just pray Lord God for that for you to do that perfect work uh, in their life Lord God and, and radically save them simply by putting their trust in you Lord and I just also pray for anyone in this room Lord who has allowed over a period of months or years for that which you created perfect Lord the Holy Spirit regenerated by you to dominating, controlling everything in our lives. They've turned that upside down and now they've just been dominated by their emotions, dominated by uh, their desires, dominated by their intellect, Lord. And, and, and the joy is gone, Lord. I just pray, Father, that you would refresh them with grace, fill them with the Holy Spirit, bless them with your word, with your presence, Lord. And, Father, for every, everyone else, that they would continue to live in your grace, God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, the song we're going to sing is actually, uh, Create in me a clean heart, um, O God. And uh, then it says, And renew a right spirit with me. It's really appropriate for uh, the message this morning. If you, know, if you need to. As I feel I should, you know, just to pray, Lord, to renew that right spirit within me.
Bless you as you're dismissed today. Have a great afternoon.